Hey, I'm Thomas, I'm the face of the Thinking Over Project, and if you're here, I want to say a massive thank you for checking out the podcast. It's probably my fourth attempt at starting a podcast, because it's never easy, so what follows is rough and, and raw, we're going to get better, but I just want to say thank you for checking it out. Um, we don't run ads, we don't do advertising, so please, this is shared by word of mouth and through social media. At the end of the day, we just want to turn mental health into something that's tangible, just like our physical health, like our physical training, we want to reframe the conversation and stick these practical solutions into everyday life. So to support us, give us a shout on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, follow us on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, um, just share it to your friends. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. Welcome to episode one of the Thinking Over podcast. Now, most of you aren't aware this is actually the fourth time I've tried to start this podcast in the last six months. Um, Each time I've tried to overcomplicate it. So today we're just going to simplify. We're going to go through a quick message and we're going to talk about overthinking. Nothing fancy, nothing over-professional. I don't deliver three-hour monologues. We have my laptop here the whole time. We're going to get through stuff as fast as possible with the most amount of value as possible. So today's podcast is just a brief cover of how it's going to look, the format, why we run the project, what we're hoping to achieve, how you can get involved, and then we're going to quickly look at overthinking to provide some value at the end. So if you're not sure, if you've just stumbled onto this podcast, if someone sent it to you and you have no idea what the project is, the thinking of a project is dedicated to rethinking and reframing mental health. Now, obviously, most of us know today we're in the middle of what we consider a mental health crisis and rates of mental health issues and suicide are basically at all-time highs. And at the same time, we have mental health organizations dedicated to fixing that problem at all-time highs as well, and the problem isn't going away, at least not in the proportion to the effort we're piling on. And so, to me, that seems like something in our model is broken. And this is where I use the analogy of we are a very diagnosis-centered society versus a solution-centered society. So it's the equivalent of going into a doctor's office and asking for a diagnosis of your illness, but being less concerned with the medication that comes with it. We like to talk about it, identify it, spread the word, and make sure everyone's aware of these disorders, depression, anxiety, and how common they are. But when it comes to the doing, the fixing, the, the change that's required to break free from these disorders, we're less inclined to actually follow through. And that's why we're we know these things are happening and rates of, of, of inter- illnesses are going up through the roof, but we're not solving them in the same proportion. And so I see a need to rethink that system to make it solutions-based, actions-based. So what we're not concerned with on this podcast is touting the same message we've heard before, like it's okay to be weak, you are loved, you are valued, your life is so meaningful. These messages of comfort, they, they have their place and they have their time to people who need to hear them, but that's not what we're trying to do here. That's not the role we're trying to fill. That's not the problem we're trying to fix. And so if that is for you, unfortunately, we won't get that here. But if you want to hear solutions, answers to problems and ways to actually reframe your thinking, that's what we're here to do. So what format will this podcast take? What can I expect in terms of content, style, duration, collaborations? So we want to keep it in the range of 10 to 20 minutes. We're all busy. Attention is the new gold. We don't have heaps of time to sit down and listen to two-hour podcasts every single day. So we want to get as much value across as possible in the shortest amount of time as possible. In terms of content, we're going to be teaching everything from fundamental psychological theory backed by research and journal papers, all the way to anecdotes, mindset reframes, and different ways of thinking with stories of real life people that you can actually apply to your own life. In terms of style, we're going to be starting with just these informational videos and podcasts, but we're definitely open to having guests. So if you feel like you have a great message to share, if you're experienced in this field, if you have stories that are relevant to the mental health space where it's all actions-based and showing the change that you made, we'd love to hear from you. We love DMs. We love people reaching out. 
and at the same time, we love criticism. So if there's anything you think we can improve, especially starting out, we're obviously cycling through different recording equipment, different camera equipment, um, different teaching styles, different information. If there's anything you can recommend, whether that's microphone equipment, whether that's a better way to deliver information, whether you feel like it's not engaging enough, whether you feel like we've missed certain things, if there's certain topics you want covered, send us a DM on our Instagram. We're definitely open to hearing about it. So now that we've covered all that, we're just going to dive into a question I received on one of my Instagram DMs. How do you deal with overthinking? Now, overthinking is a common problem, something I've struggled with, a lot of young people struggle with today, especially in such unpredictable times. What actually is overthinking and, and what are some practical solutions to combat it when it happens in our day-to-day -day lives? Now, the first thing we'd say is that overthinking is basically any irrational, hyperactive, or excessive thoughts about what can go wrong, about problems, choices, past moments, future things, potentials in your life. Um, and it's problematic when something in the past or something in the future detracts from your ability to focus on and enjoy the present. That's what overthinking is. We expand and multiply the possibilities of things going wrong in things that aren't presently and currently existing. It's not bounded in reality. And so the key sign of overthinking is that it's unproductive. It detracts from your ability to take action in whatever you're currently doing. Most of us overthink trivial things. We might have thoughts, does my girlfriend really love me? Do my friends really want to be around me? Um, will this speech that I'm about to do in front of my university class go well? Will I actually have enough money to pay the bills? And, and these thoughts detract from our ability to focus on and achieve the task that we're actually worrying about. Now, overthinking is usually the fruit of, the product of, or it's the root of, the root cause of, some sort of anxiety disorder. It's a contemplation of absolutely everything that can go wrong, and it magnifies over time the, the less we do about it. And so, at the end of the day, it is a byproduct of a defense mechanism to protect yourself and the people around you from things going wrong. We worry about things to make sure that we're not missing any big problems. We're making sure that things don't go catastrophically wrong. But there's a limit, and we have to know what's bounded in fact and reality and what is just the excessive imagination of our minds. Because it's very likely and very possible that we can conjure up scenarios that aren't actually bounded in the, the things we observe around us. And it's those thoughts we want to combat because they detract from our ability to move forward. So a common problem we ask ourselves is how do I deal with overthinking when I feel like my mind is just running chaotically? I can't bring these thoughts in, they just come in a jumble and, and there's no structure to them. The thoughts just flow and everything that can go wrong does go wrong in my mind. Well, here are four practical steps that you can implement today to help with your overthinking. Now the first is journaling. The second is CBT or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. The third is an accountability partner and the fourth is movement, exercise. Now, strategy number one is journaling, and it's a staple in a lot of mindset coaches and online gurus' regimens for how to improve your mindset. But most of us don't actually know what journaling looks like. How do we journal? What do we write about? What's the content of what we're writing about? Now, we're not just writing stories and recounting our day. Dear diary, today I did X, Y, Z. If we can do it with structure, it helps us to visualize a very chaotic brain flow and it's much easier to fight monsters as we can see. So if we know the thoughts that we're dealing with, we can combat them one by one. And so we have this analogy. If you're in a courtroom, in a court of law, and the lawyer's trying to prosecute the defendant, when he makes an accusation or a claim or a line of questioning, it has to be followed up with evidence, with tangible proof. Otherwise, the claim is thrown out as hearsay. And this is exactly the frame we should take with our own thoughts. So we open a journal and line by line, we write out each thought that's currently on our mind. If it pops up, grab it, write it down. And immediately underneath that thought, my girlfriend doesn't love me, attach the tangible observed evidence for that thought. 
Now, if it is true, your girlfriend doesn't love you, you've noticed that she doesn't give you as long enough hugs, she doesn't kiss you, doesn't say good morning, send you good morning texts, there's the evidence you can attach to it and you can explore that thought further. It's bounded in some form of reality. But more often than not, the thoughts that aren't, you will not be able to find a piece of evidence to attach to that thought. And it's when you have no evidence to attach to it that you can identify that thought as a product of overthinking, of excessive worrying, and it's not bounded in reality. So if you can't prove the thought, discard it. Once you take that strategy into your journaling, you can extract it into your daily life. As you're going about your day and your thoughts start to run amok, stop, go one by one. Is this thought bounded in reality? If it's not, discard it. Don't even worry about the fact that you might be missing it by not thinking the thought through further. If it's not bounded in reality to begin with, there's no product in continuing to ruminate on it or think about it. So taking that strategy of journaling, writing your thoughts down, one, it helps you to slow the brain down because you have to actively identify each thought on its own. And you can only deal with one thought at a time when you're writing these things down. Attaching the evidence to it proves to you that what you're worried about is not bounded in fact, and therefore it's okay to discard, and there's no further thought required. So try journaling day to day when you start overthinking. It doesn't have to be every single day, but it's a great tool you can use when in those periods when life is particularly chaotic and you can't control your thoughts. Sit down with a pen and paper, have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee, and just start attaching the evidence to your brain's thoughts. Number two is CBT, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Now this is a staple to most psychologists' regimens when they're initially starting off with their clients. But the interesting thing is, we can actually apply these principles to our own lives without having to go through a professional, without having to go into a waiting list or paying extra money for it. Now, the main theory of CBT suggests that how we think affects how we feel and behave. It's pretty intuitive, most of us know that. But we'll give you an example to put it together. Let's say you go on three dates from an online dating app, but they all bomb, they all go terribly. Now you think that after three dates, you're never gonna find a partner. You feel worthless and unlovable because of it, and you act by hanging up the shoes, you delete your dating app profile, and canceling all your future dates. Now, this faulty thought that you'll never find a partner spirals out of control and suddenly you withdraw, at least the self-perpetuating cycle of, of bad behaviors. Now, the way we can combat that is with something called the ABCDE model, and you can actually find that on my Instagram, one of my early posts, we went through it. And the ABCDE steps stand for, one, the activating event, Two, the belief about the event. Three, the emotional consequences. Four, disputing the self-belief or thought. And five, the effects of the dispute of your new self-thought or belief. So what does that look like in practical steps? Well, let's have a look. So, one, the activating event. I've got three dates and no luck, I haven't succeeded. Two, the belief about the event is that I'll never get a second date, I'll never fall in love. Now three, the emotional consequences. I'm unlovable and worthless. So that's the first three steps. We, we think, we feel, and we act. Number four, and this step requires action, disputing the defeating self-belief. Now, what can you bring up, what can you bring to mind that actually challenges that defeating, defeating thought, I'm unlovable, I'm worthless? Maybe you've turned down people before. Maybe you've not felt the right connection. Maybe you've had girlfriends in the past and you know you can be loved. Maybe you've had second dates in the past and you know you can make it to a second date with the right person. Maybe you know that right now is probably not the right time for you to be dating. A million other reasons besides the fact that you are unlovable because that line of thinking is not beneficial to helping you move forward if finding a partner is your outcome. 
And five, the effects of the dispute and the new self-belief. So these are the reframes that actually are the product of you challenging those thoughts. So you can say, these dates aren't tied to my self-worth. This is just an opportunity to keep working on the person I want to become. Reframing what are initially seen as problems as solutions or opportunities. It's a way to challenge your thoughts, to keep your thoughts under control. And remember that not all the thoughts that come in can be trusted. We can speak to ourselves in very negative ways, but they don't actually reflect how people around us see us. We can over-amplify certain situations that go wrong. At the end of the day, going on one date is just part of your history, part of your story. But if we allow that thought to amplify, we can really turn into part of our identity and say, well, if I failed on the state, I'll never be loved. But that's just not an accurate representation of reality. So bringing our mind back in, challenging the wrong thoughts helps us to bring our thoughts back under control. Number three, an accountability buddy. Now this sounds pretty simple, but it's often overlooked. First step is to admit that you're an overthinker. Now that's pretty tough because it means you're not in control of your thoughts. So you want to only tell that to a few people who you know will not ridicule you for it. And that's a huge part of the problem. And so you find one close friend to be your accountability partner. Maybe they're an overthinker as well and you guys can reference each other. Maybe they're just able to help you, able to see through what you can't see through yourself. They have to know you well because they have to know what your usual thought processes are when you can tend to get overwhelmed and what's actually true. What do they know about you that's actually true? And with that accountability partner, sit down and rattle off a list just as you would if you were journaling or if you were practicing CBT with yourself, your thoughts. All of your thoughts, even if they're chaotic, if they're worrying you, get them out there. And use your friend as the filter to see what's real and what's not. For example, a statement like, I'm not a confident person. Now, outside this bubble of self-criticism, our friends can provide multiple examples to prove why that's not true. It often takes a third-person perspective to help us see things that we can't see for ourselves. So in all these first three techniques, it's the same sort of model. It's we accept that our thoughts can be faulty, and then we selectively challenge them one by one, whether that's writing them down, whether that's reframing them with that ABCDE model, or whether that's getting our friends to tell us where we're going wrong. It requires us to be slow and precise, to, to look at them one by one, not as a chaotic cluster, and observe, analyze, and challenge. And if we can keep doing that, if we can keep observing, analyzing, and challenging, we can slowly start to discard and filter out all the faulty thoughts and only focus on what's bounded in reality. Now the fourth and final step is movement. It's often overlooked, but it's actually very effective. If you're in the gym and you're focused on keeping a 25 kilo dumbbell off your face, if you're trying to lift a barbell off the ground, if you're playing soccer trying to keep the ball away from the opposing team, if you're trying to shoot a three-pointer and need to calculate how much force is required and what angle it's supposed to be thrown at, your thinking capacity is occupied. You cannot ruminate over baseless, unfounded thoughts. It's a beautiful equivalent of blocking out the haters. If the thoughts are your haters, then exercising and moving usually blocks those thoughts completely out. It's not worth paying mind to people who don't have substance to their accusations. Now, exercise has heaps of benefits, but sometimes it's just helpful to distract your brain. So those are four steps you can employ today. You can go exercise, you can go journal, you can sit down with a friend, regularly schedule that in, and you can practice CBT, which you can find on my Instagram. Um, hopefully those help. Don't have an official sign-off again because we're just getting started, but please employ those strategies. Let me know how you go. If, nothing is, if something's not working, if you feel like we could add another solution, let us know, send us a DM, and I'll see you in the next one. Um, if you do like this podcast, if you think that there's value in this and there's potential in this, please share. That's how the channel grows. Um, if it helps, send me a DM to know what you're struggling with, how this might have helped with your life, your problems, and anything you might want to share, just let us know. Um, follow us on Insta to find out more announcements about what's coming up with the project. 
Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one.